Hi, I'm Dorothy Burton, your host for Governing God's Way, connecting the timeless principles of Scripture to the timely issues of our day for those who serve, lead, and govern. King Solomon, the wisest leader to have ever lived, left us with this truth. There is nothing new under the sun, and what has been will be. What was true for him and those who serve, led, and governed in his day is just as true for those who serve, lead, and govern today. Timeless principles to help in times like these. Hi, welcome to the podcast. This is the debut of season four of the Governing God's Way podcast. And today, I kick this thing off with the topic, what people really want from a leader. First, I'd like to thank you, my listeners and supporters of not only the podcast, but our organization, Christians in Public Service, where we specialize in public servants' life. Life, which is our acronym for leadership, inspiration, fellowship, and education. I can say that in my sleep. If you attend one of my sessions, our sessions, read my blog, social media posts, and if you don't come away having learned something about how to be a more impactful leader, or if you come away uninspired, or if you attend one of our in-person events and nobody even acknowledge your presence, or if you don't learn something, then we fail. I failed because our goal is life. I have drilled that into our board members' heads. They have drilled it into my head, life. This is what we're about. Leadership, inspiration, fellowship, and education. We have staked our reputation on it. And I have staked mine on it as well. And I am very thankful to lead um, this effort. I want to thank my uh, producer, Kevin, uh, over these past seasons of What the Huck Productions, um, who with each podcast has made me sound flawless. Y'all don't get to hear (laughs) the clearing of the throat, the gulping of the sweet Texas tea that I gulp as I talk. So, Kevin, thank you. If you are a podcaster, thinking about podcasting, I highly recommend Kevin, podcast producer extraordinaire. (laughs) Hit him up at whatthehuck76 at gmail.com. And we are back in the saddle again. So saddle up and let's go. Let's talk about what people really want from a leader. And our principle is taken from a conversation Jesus was having one day with his disciples. Many had become disillusioned with Jesus because it was evident that Jesus wasn't going to overthrow the Roman government as many had thought, nor was he going to establish a new kingdom or government as many had hoped. So the Bible says in John 6, 66, that many had turned back and no longer followed Jesus. And Jesus asked the 12 disciples a very poignant question. He says in John 6, 67, Jesus asked them, you do not want to leave me too, do you? And Peter answered immediately in verse 68 and said, Lord, uh, to whom shall we go? You're like, where are we going? To what other leader shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter was saying, Ah, Jesus, we can't get from no other leader what we found in you. What was this? This is what I'm going to talk about. So that you as a leader can have that, this too. 
When it comes to leadership, many people are like uh, Supreme Court Justice Stuart Potter. The Supreme Court back in 1964, this is a funny story, it's true, <laughs> was deciding the infamous Jacob Ellis versus Ohio case, where a manager of a theater was appealing his conviction of violating the state of Ohio obscenity law of possessing and showing an allegedly, back then, obscene movie. <laughs> the Ohio State Supreme Court upheld the conviction. So it was taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court because a guy appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court to decide. So Justice Potter Stewart, after pouring over all the evidence, and delivered what, <laughs> what has comically become <laughs> well known as how to know if something is hardcore porn or not. Justice Stewart in finding for the defendant. He didn't mean for it to be funny, but it turned out to be funny, and it has lasted down through the years. So Justice Stewart in finding for the defendant, after pouring over the evidence, he was like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not even going to try to define this stuff. And he said, I may not ever, ever succeed in being able to intelligibly know. He said, but there's one thing. He said, but I know it when I see it. And this motion picture is not that. <laughs> I can't tell you what porn is, but I'll know it when I see it. I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. And that's how many people view leadership and leaders today. They don't really know what makes a great leader. They just know one when they work for one or serve under one. Leaders lead, right? But leading is fulfilling a need. I'll say this again. People don't follow you and me because, you know, you or I or, or Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful. Uh-uh. People are selfish. Yeah, you know, we don't want to admit it. We're selfish because it's just, a, you know, it's just unseemly, especially for Christians. But people are selfish. Selfish. And great leaders, it's not even anything they try to do or be, but it is characteristic of what every leader does. So, what do people need from a leader? What is it they look for that they, they may not know they're looking for, but when they find it, they know it? This is going to help you. It's going to bless somebody. Number one, the leader makes them feel part of the decision-making process. Uh huh. When a leader makes people feel as though they're part of the process and part owners in the decision, guess what? They take ownership of their part in the decision. For example... Unless it's military today, even the most rigid corporate cultures are nothing like they used to be, even 10, even five years ago. You know, that top-down rigidity, do what I say or else. Uh-uh, people, people, <laughs> uh, people ain't going for that no more. People are now taking, you know, the what else option. Why? Because people need to feel as though they're part of something bigger than them, and, and they have a say in it. So it's no longer vertical leadership from the top down that people respond to, but it's horizontal. Horizontal leadership. Horizontal is team. They need to be brought into the huddle. And that's what people want. They want to be brought into the huddle. They want to be able to help call the plays too. <laughs> Look, whether you like him or not, Donald Trump is a master at this. Master. I mean, his followers... They'd run through fire with gasoline on the bottom of their shoes for this man. Why? Because he figured out a long time ago, even before he was in politics, that if you make people feel as though, with emphasis on 
feel, that might be true, that might be real, but if they feel as though they are part of the process, you can just about get them to do whatever, follow them wherever you want them to go. For example, Make America Great Again. Make America Great Again is more than a slogan. It's more than a slogan, it's more than a red cap. It, it is a belonging, a belonging. By God, I'm going to do something too to make America great again. He overly uses the personal pronouns such as our. You ever know what I'm saying? Our country, our way of life, our this, our America, our patriot, our this, our that. Our is inclusive. I mean, O-U-R, not H-O-U-R, our. Our is inclusive and actionable. It's us. I am part of us, the decision makers. Number two, people follow leaders who make them feel as though they matter, not just when you need them to matter. And this is especially true for elected leaders. I'm a giver, okay? I'm a giver. If I believe in your candidacy, you're running for office. If I believe in you, look, as a reformed Republican, now a fierce independent, if I believe in you, I contribute to you, even if you are a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or an Independent. Regardless of your party, I'll support you. Having once been an elected leader myself, I know how important and almost sacred, you know, that is. But if I don't hear from you until it's election time, guess what? Oh, well, <laughs> oh, well, no support here because you have shown me that I don't matter to you. Yet you expect you to matter to me. Oh, no, 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 don't work that way. And it's not just elected leaders. It's supervisors. It's department heads, directors, pastors, politicians, teachers, C-suites. People will follow you to the moon and back if you meet this important need they have. And people want to know, feel as though they matter. Case in point, I was talking to a church member the other day. And we were reminiscing on our beautiful first lady, now home with the Lord, Sister Lois Evans, deceased wife of our pastor, Dr. Tony Evans. She exuded this characteristic of a leader. My friend and I almost said it at the same time. We were outside the church. We almost said it at the same time. Sister Lois made you feel like you were somebody. No matter who was around, how full the room was, when Sister Lois was talking to you, she had a way of making you feel as though you were the only person that mattered in the room. She was saying, in essence, you matter to me. Number three, people need to know from their leader that you have their best interest at heart and not merely <laughs> your own. These are true servant leaders. Mike Murdoch shares in his book, the Leadership Secrets of Jesus, he shares his story about a very successful old lawyer here in Dallas. Murdoch said he was at a Christmas party one year for this large law firm here in the city. Actually, this older lawyer was in the Midwest, and he was talking to one of the young attorneys that was a protege of this, of this older lawyer, one of the greatest lawyers in the Midwest. And so the young attorney said he couldn't figure it out. He said no one could figure it out how this old lawyer would win all these jury trials, case after case after case of million, multi-million dollar cases. In fact, he said this renowned attorney not only won practically every case, man, but he won millions 
when he did win. And nobody could figure it out. The young lawyer said, uh, the, uh, you know, the research was normal. We all did that. So, you know, we had, all had access to the, to the research. The reading material was normal. The, we all had the same reading material, the stacks of case laws. I mean, you know, we all poured through those. But he said that when that old lawyer would walk back and forth before the jury, as that dude talked, a transformation took place on the faces of those jurists. He said, you can see it. When they came back, they always gave his clients huge settlements. The young protege <laughs> said he was asking, ask his secret, but the old dude never would tell him. So one day, the young attorney confided in his mentor that he had been hired by another law firm in another city and that he would be leaving. And so the old lawyer said, you know, come on, take a ride with me. So he got in the car and, and they went to the grocery store. Of all places, they went to the grocery store. The old dude came back to the car with bags of groceries and, and the young lawyer said they just, you know, began to drive out in the country, down back roads. It, it, it had snowed. You know, it was Midwest. It was winter. The weather was fighting. It was cold. They finally pulled up to this old farmhouse. And so he asked the young lawyer, you know, come help me get the groceries out of the car and take them into the house. Okay, cool. So the young lawyer helped him take the groceries out of the car, take them to the house. So the young lawyer said once he got inside the house, though, he saw this young boy. And the young boy was sitting on the sofa. But the young boy didn't have any legs. The young boy didn't have, do you mean? The young boy didn't have any legs. He had lost his legs in an accident. The old lawyer, in conversation with the mom, said, you know, uh, I just thought I'd bring you a few groceries. Since I know how difficult it is for you to get out, and this weather is, is, is bad. Hmm. Hmm. As they were driving back, they got back in the car, as they were driving back, the young mentee sat there in stunned silence. He couldn't believe what he just saw. Hmm. Old lawyer said, you know, that's my secret. That's my secret. It's really quite simple. He said, my clients really do matter to me. And he said, I believe in their cases. I believe they deserve the highest settlements that can be given. And he says, oh, when I stand before a jury, somehow they feel that too. They come back with the verdicts that I ask for. I feel what my clients feel. And then he said, the jury feels what I feel. People follow leaders who make them feel they matter. Number four, people follow leaders who are transparent. They want transparency. In today's social media climate, there, there ain't no secrets. You ain't got no secrets. There are no secrets. No more bosses behind the curtain, you know, pulling the strings. People want to know that you're people too, that you're human too. To show vulnerability, let me say this. To show vulnerability is not showing that you're weak. It's showing that you're human People no longer follow people with whom they, they can't connect. People can't connect with people who don't ever make mistakes because they've made mistakes. People can't connect with leaders who haven't fallen down because they've fallen down. They need to know you go to the bathroom too, okay? And lastly, number five, saving the best and most important for last. People want to know that they are valued and respected. I'm going to say it again. People want to know from you as their leader that they are valued and respected. 
second only to that they matter. People need from you to know that they are valued and that you respect them. Hello. Hello. That you value them and that you respect them. Period. It's just, it's just humans like you. Ask their opinion. Ask for their input. And this dovetails back to the very first one. Let them in on the decision making. And never end your team meeting. Or as you go along in your meeting, even look, even if you have to write it across the top of your notes in red and highlight it, ask their opinion. Even if you have no intention of following it and you may be surprised at what they come up with, it may be something that you have been grappling with and they have just the answer that you've been looking for. Ask them. Ask their opinion. Bring them into the conversation. This is similar to what I have to do when I'm speaking. <laughs> Look, y'all, I draw smiley faces all over my page because I ain't no smiley person. Man, I be, man, I, when I talk, when I be speaking, I be serious. But I look mad and I look angry. I have to draw little smiley faces on my script when I'm talking because that's just, that just doesn't come natural for me. But look, we do what we got to do. And like I'm saying to you, if you have to put it in big old bold letters across the top, ask them their opinion before you leave that Zoom meeting, before you end that meeting, ask them their opinion. You know, got to do it. You would be amazed. Start doing it. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. See, I have to draw smiley faces because I mumble. I really do. If I, you know, that's probably why I don't do podcast videos. Because <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of mumble. So I have to make these faces and I have to over-exaggerate my facial expressions because if I don't, I'll come across as mumbling. You wouldn't listen to me five seconds. And that's something that I had to be trained to do. So I've learned to enunciate very clearly. But in order to do that, I have to remind myself, Dorothy, smile, <laughs> smile. See, I'm from Texas. And see, in Texas, we don't see a whole lot. And when we do talk, we kind of mumble. You know, we don't open our mouth wide like y'all in the East Coast, West Coast. Y'all just, <laughs> y'all got these big mouths. We don't, you know, we say we got to say, we kind of mumble. We say we got to say, we then we through with it. Through with it. Through with it. But, you know, it's cool in Texas. But I learned, you know, that you go up north or on the coast, <laughs> you're a guest speaker or a trainer, you better open your mouth and smile and talk and, you know, all that stuff. Show the people. Show the people that you value them. Be transparent. Show that, that you have their best interests at heart. Make them know that they matter. And finally, bring them in to the conversation. Whenever possible, invite them into the decision-making process. These are the types of leaders that people follow. And this is Governing God's Way. Thank you for listening. Governing God's Way is the practical application of kingdom principles to inspire transformative change within ourselves and within our spheres of influence is how Jesus did it, is how we strive to do it, because good governance begins with self-governance because God always begins from within. Grab a copy of my book from Amazon.com, Why We Fall, The Power of Self-Awareness. The book every leader and aspiring leader should read to help you avoid sabotaging your own success. To learn more about SIPS Inc. and how you can support our work, please visit our website at cipsinc.org.